Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, we've got Dan Fronin. He's the chief marketing officer at Sendoso. Sendoso is a leading sending platform. It helps companies stand out by giving them new ways to engage with their customers through the buyer's journey. And on the show today, we talk about Dan's journey from music industry, playing a band in his early days, to music publishing, and ultimately to the tech world where he is now leading uh, Sendoso's marketing efforts. We also talk about what the connected environment looks like. How do you deliver a better experience um, today for your customers, your employees, etc.? Also, the current state of ABM or account-based marketing and much more. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dan Fronin. Dan, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much. I'm super excited to be here today. Before we start talking about business, I have to ask you about your career transition. You were in the music industry, and now you're in the tech industry. How did that happen? It's an interesting journey for sure. I um, I grew up playing in bands. Um, I was the guy that was in the garage playing music way too loud and making my parents mad. And, you know, that translated into a passion for going and studying music in college and then getting into the music publishing industry. And, and I did that for about 10 years and 
as I was in that industry, I, I developed an affinity towards marketing and a lot of what was happening in marketing at the time was um, going, you know, technology forward through marketing automation, through intent data, through uh, email marketing, social, you name it, right? So I started doing a lot of business with a lot of different startup tech vendors. And I just realized like, man, like this is what I really want to be doing. And I got a passion for that and took my marketing passion and my technology passion and jumped into tech. And it's been a, an amazing journey ever since. What is Sendoso? Tell tell listeners what it is, like what you guys do. At the crux of what we do is we help companies to put physical uh, touch points in an otherwise very digital world. And we do that via our sending platform, which allows companies to uh, do direct mail, gifting, cameos, virtual experiences at scale uh, in the technology that they're already using or on our platform. So you're enabling marketing. You're also the chief marketer of the company. <laughs> There's a lot of marketing overlap there. What's your role like as CMO of Sendoso? Yeah, it's a ton of fun because anytime you're you're heading up marketing for a company that's selling to marketing, it's almost like a cheat code because you just know yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, really, my my role I define it as as two things. It's the creator of demand and brand and the supporter of closers, right? And on the demand and brand side, it's all about getting uh, Sendoso to be as common in your language as uh, any other piece of technology, whether that's email, phone, CRM, and then making sure that we're seen uh, anywhere and everywhere that makes sense for our audiences. And then internally making sure that I am just wrapped around the sales and, and customer success teams and making sure that they have anything and everything that they need to be successful to uh, create more and more customers that are that are happy and healthy. I want to dimensionalize a little bit to like the service that you guys are providing because you serve a lot of different. It seems like you serve a lot of different potential stakeholders because you've got the like you just said the demand for brand. So you got the marketing side of the equation that might be interfacing with Sendoso and using your services and technology, and then you got the closers, the sales folks that are doing the same thing. You've also got, you know, I would imagine like HR is a as a component too, like with especially in this virtual environment with employee onboarding, um, making sure people feel engaged with swag at a minimum, but maybe you know more higher level engagement level things too. But you know, you're essentially making like the age old like I need I want to go send a book to somebody a more off the shelf integrated into my sales or marketing process or onboarding process. You're making that easy for me. Is that the best way to think about the service that you're providing? 100%, right? We just, we allow that direct mail, that gifting, that that whole art of, you know, giving someone something as easy as uh, creating the play that you want to run, connecting and then hitting the click button, right? And we take a lot of that heavy lifting out of it. That makes sense. And last time we talked, you talked about super senders. I love that title, uh, especially for like, I think it's your like your your most sophisticated or your best best users, if you will, of the platform. But like, tell me, what is a super sender and how do you like engage that community of folks? So the super senders, uh, as you alluded to, are our best uh, senders and they're the ones that are they're the ones that are um, leveraging us in the in the most creative ways, the most unique ways, and quite frankly, the most ingrained ways within their companies. Because as we talked about, there's a marketing use case for supporting 
sellers and SDRs and generating pipeline and running account-based marketing. But then there's also a sales use case for sales using this directly to surprise and delight and interact with their prospects. And then CS teams using it to um, maintain relationships with their customers and then even HR, right? So it's really these super centers are the ones that are on the bleeding edge of using the Sendoso technology through integrations with all of their teams internally and really leading the charge on on uh, how this is done and how it's done in the best ways. And it's really just this amazing community of you know marketers and some sellers and some CX professionals that just get together and um, really trade trade secrets with each other. And we just help to facilitate the conversation. Well, I can only imagine like this past year with the pandemic, the work from home. I mean, sales processes have gotten upended in many industries that weren't already kind of working in a virtual environment. Not to mention the onboarding for new new employees is completely changed in a virtual environment for many, many companies that weren't having to deal with that in the past. How do you guys, how do you think about connecting folks together, whether it's like pipeline prospects and salespeople or employees? How do you think about this connection in an environment where we're all virtual that we live in right now? It's a pretty complex uh, question, really, because if you think about the connection, it's it's multifaceted. It's connection through technology, right? So every company has a technology stack that they're leveraging. But you know, anyone who's been in, in marketing technology or sales technology knows that just because you buy the technology does not mean that you're using it correctly or that you're you know looking at a customer journey end to end. So the connection part of it is about that and making sure you know your customer and prospect and where they are and you know what the unique touch points are. Uh, and then the other piece to it is really the the creative element of that connection, which is how are you creatively getting down to the level of the customer or the prospect and you know being as personal and and connected as possible, whether that's a one-to-one approach, which obviously that's super expensive to do and not for everyone, and then one to few and one to many. And we, you know, really the, the connection is all of that put together into a process and a, and a strategy. Any examples come to mind, like how people are using, you know, Sendoso or the platform to build those, foster those better connections? Anything come to mind that you could share? Yeah. So, I mean, I can give you an example fresh, fresh off the press. So uh, one of our SDRs reached out to someone at Cisco and she included a, a, a personalized cameo video in this outreach. And the the person from Cisco was so impressed with the outreach and the personalization that she actually went on to LinkedIn publicly and said, hey, instead of shaming an SDR for doing some bad outreach, I want to showcase some good outreach today. So, you know, that's just one example of finding out what her favorite celebrity is, having the celebrity speak to why this SDR is trying to get a hold of him in the first place and, and breaking through that noise in a really highly personal way that can actually scale through a sending platform. Like you could do that more than once and you could do that with multiple people. That's a really cool example because how many times have I logged into Facebook to see some mean intentions <laughs> <laughs> of copy and pasting, you know, either a LinkedIn outreach or an email that they receive from an SDR. And you know, gosh, I, I can only imagine if I was an SDR, like, oh, please, just, may I never be that person that gets shamed on LinkedIn 
because then then the hordes come out, right? They start liking it and commenting on how they're bad experience. You get put on blast and make a name for yourself in in, in a bad way. <laughs> exactly, but that's a really cool example. I mean, like how engagement should work and turning the conversation around to the positive side. And a cameo from a celebrity never hurts. I yeah, it never hurts at all. Like, <laughs> I remember the first time I got one, I was just blown away. <laughs> it's kind of crazy that they even do it, right? Like, I get it. Well, we're talking about sales in this respect and SDRs. And in the B2B world, it seems like the last five or more years, the buzzword for B2B marketers has been you know, account-based marketing or ABM. When you're at kind of the critical juncture in the ABM process, like, keeping the conversation going and progressing to the next step in a pipeline. How do you think about ABM? Like what's the current state of ABM these days? It's been fascinating to watch. I mean, it's, it's evolved quite a bit. And I think when, when I first got into ABM and that strategy, it really was a, a marketing approach. And that was fundamentally flawed because it was marketing trying to basically do segmentation and a viewpoint of the market, but not really knowing how to orchestrate that with the sales organization and the CS organization to have a holistic approach. So, you know, the evolution now has really become like a, it's a business strategy and it's your go-to-market strategy. And it's really account-based at this point. And a lot of things have happened as a result of that. I think one is that when you're able to operationalize throughout your entire company, you kind of myth bust the fact that ABM is one-to-one. It's actually it can be one to few, it can be one to many. And you, you start to see that the coordination, when you just have that, that singular view and holistic view of the universe, it, it actually makes the campaigns and the creativity and the connection a lot easier to achieve because you just all know what you're trying to connect with in the first place. That makes a lot of sense. Like I really like your myth busting concept because I hadn't really thought about the fact that you can aggregate to one to few or one to many, even within the ABM con construct. And your notion that like it moves from like something that we organize around to like how we go to market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is just the game now. And if you're, you're not, not doing it this way, you might be at a disadvantage. Is there any, uh, I'm just curious if there's any examples of how like you've seen ABM in practice work well or examples of how you move people through the pipe? The things that I continue to see work really well is when you know where an account and the people in the account are in their journey. So I think a big part of 
the account-based approach is, is knowing what their intent is in the market. Are they, are they showing signals that they are in like a research phase? Are they looking at pricing? Are they in a buying phase? is so powerful because then it allows you to actually prioritize in a whole different way and, and show them different uh, intense signals from you. Like if you know that they're in market and you know that they're researching certain topics, you don't have to beat around the bush and you don't have to do the same sort of like guessing game that um, they need to be educated in a certain way. Like you may know that they're researching ABM. So you should go and talk to them about ABM and, you should, you know, be able to look at some data to see what kind of technology their company might be using and you can be relevant there. And then you can use your creative energy to, you know, go get the meeting, whether that's, you know, a creative um, outbound strategy, whether that's building a custom landing page and, and getting something sendosoed over to, you know, what you believe might be the buying committee. Like you can, you can really tackle it that way, knowing where they are in the journey. What are you looking ahead? We're 2021. We we still aren't all vaccinated yet. <laughs> I'm assuming your business has probably done really, really well in the last year. I, I'm assuming that it's probably going to potentially continue. But like, what do you, what trends do you see for 2021 as you think about your business and where you fit into the the customers that you're working with? The big trends that we're seeing is that there's no. I mean, maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel, right? We we know that you know vaccinations are happening, but when do we actually get back to offices? When do we get back to physical events? When do we get back to business travel at scale? I think that's really anyone's guess right now. And, you know, for us, it's all about how do we help companies have that extra oomph outside of just this digital hyper pronounced world that we're in. And that really comes back to that, that connectivity piece, that, that business to human approach and, and helping companies to, connect with their audiences beyond just a transactional one and into more of a, how can I help you? How can this be a deeper relationship? How can we, you know, develop uh, a business relationship that stands the test of, of COVID really, if you think about it. So where we see things going is, is a lot more value is being placed on brands that are taking that extra time and, and finding the more unique ways to engage their prospects and their customers versus just kind of, you know, spraying them with digital. You said something earlier in the conversation, I think it's probably underscored in how you guys come to market too. And it's the notion of the creativity, whether it's a, a gift or a, the touch point that you choose to execute against. When you make it easy <laughs> like to, to, to fulfill on whatever it is you're trying to, to do, then the creativity can take over to like figure out how to do that in the most impactful way. I don't, would you agree with that as well? 100%. Coming off the holiday period, I get some, some gifts sent and I, I'm pretty sure one was sent through Sendoso <laughs> from one of the people I've interacted with. And it was great. It was a little candies gift and it came along actually with a, a gift card to give to a charity. And it was like this really nice thing is like, yeah, celebrate the holidays. Here's something sweet to enjoy. But like, here's, here's a way that you can give back to the community. And I know people have done that before, but I hadn't, hadn't really experienced it firsthand before. So it was a, it was a nice one, two punch on the creativity. Yeah, no, we've definitely, we, that stuff really does well. And I think you know, we, we've seen a huge uptick in charitable giving and uh, during these times for sure. 
which is great. You know, I, I even do the same thing. I mean, if someone is trying to get a meeting on my calendar, I just say, um, send me a link to the, to the charity that I can donate to versus giving me the e-gift. Cause <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather help someone. Right. Yeah. Well, in, in some ways, like, I mean, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of regulations too around gifting, especially like government uh, as one example. Right. And this gives a opportunity that you can help, help others still achieve the, the goal and, uh, and get over that, that barrier that might be there or not. So, well, I want to switch gears a little bit. We love to get to know the person behind the microphone. We already know you played in a band. I won't make you sing, although I'm thinking about it, uh, <laughs> or play an instrument. Maybe you're not the lead singer. I don't know. But um, one of my favorite questions to ask is, is there an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? And that's a that's a tough one. So, um I moved around a ton as a kid. So we're talking a different elementary school from second through fifth and then uh, two middle schools and two high schools. So quite a bit of like getting pulled out of a class, having to remake friends, all that fun stuff. And actually that fundamentally defined me because originally it made me shy. But as an adult, when you kind of figure out who you are and what your place is in this world, it's actually made me like pretty agile and um, able to pretty much say hi to anyone and get the conversation going and get the job done. So that's probably that's probably my defining one for sure. You don't have to share if you don't want to, but I was just curious, did you have like, were you a military family or? No, just uh, divorced, divorced parents and my mom um, just liked to move. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, no military family, but I can relate from what I've heard from my military. Yeah, I've heard something similar and it was, I can't remember if it was a military family or a foreign service type family, but there was planned moves like every couple of years. So it can be hard on social life, as especially as a middle school and high school. That's that's two tough time periods, I think, to shift. Well, uh, what, what advice would you give your younger self if you're starting all over again? You know, the biggest advice that I would give my younger self would be to get out and network and do thought leadership a lot earlier than I did. I remember a lot of mentors would, would say that that was like how you crack the code is get out and network and just write about your experiences and talk to as many people as possible. And, and it really is like the second I started doing that and putting it out there, it's, you know, it's just one of those things where the one activity breeds another activity to another activity and it just kind of creates its own flywheel. Well, the next thing you know, you're on a podcast, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) well, uh, what's been the, this is kind of a silly question, but I like asking it, um, build my shopping list. What's been the most impactful purchase that you've made, say of a hundred dollars or less in the last six to 12 months? So this was not a purchase. It was an, it was a fix. So I have two young boys and they both have bikes and I never made the time to go bike ride with them. And COVID made it so that I pulled out the bike and took it down to the bike shop and got it fixed for a hundred (laughs) bucks. Yeah, no, that's a good one. We actually, it's funny enough, like did something very similar at the start of the pandemic because it's like, you don't have anything to do. Like you can't go places. And my wife and I, we have a 13 year old daughter and um, she had a great working bike, but ours, we needed to dust off and kind of get tuned up. And we did the same thing. And it's been a really good money spent. 
yeah, hopefully continue to do it even when you don't have to anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Two last questions for you. You know, stepping back from the day job that you have, are there brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should take notice of? I think a couple things, and, and they're really more local causes, like especially if you have kids that are in elementary school, like we follow the the boosters pretty closely here. And like right now we're participating in making um, kits for homeless people. There's a rise of homelessness right now. And, um, you know, just getting your kids involved in, you know, creating these kits and letting them know that there's people that aren't as fortunate as you and uh, being able to do that. And then the second thing that that's become kind of near and dear to my heart recently is is donating to our local food bank, because, again, it goes to the kind of the the crux of the fact that there's a lot of poverty that's really below the surface right now with uh, a lot of the service industries that have kind of been coming in and out. Um, so those are probably the two things that I'm pretty passionate about right now. I love those ideas. We've gotten involved in like, to your point about the schools, they, the local schools here have food pantries for that exact thing. If you food insecurity with kids, I should have known that it was a big issue. Um, but it's, it's taken the pandemic to really bring a, a spotlight to it. Well, last question for you. What, what's the largest opportunity or threat you think marketers are facing today? That's a that's a a pretty big question. I think the biggest opportunity that marketers have right now is that there's never been a a time in history that at least I know of where buyers have so much information at their fingertips that they just they go out and do like 60, 70, 80% of their research before they even come to you for a conversation or a purchase decision. So the biggest opportunity right now for marketers is to really double down on, you know, your knowledge of the entire customer lifecycle and some product-led growth fundamentals around that. Because I think, you know, and then this kind of dovetails into the threat. And I think it's a threat for marketers, sellers, uh, and kind of CSMs in a way, is that as those kind of walls are coming down, it's anyone's guess who's going to be the one who who's going to be um, needed to service these customers. I'm biased and I think it's marketing because you go out and create the demand and brand. But, you know, as the walls come down and the, the process changes, that's a big threat for everyone is that you have to just be nimble and, you know, learn new methodologies and ways of doing things. Dan, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, this was a blast. Thanks for having me. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.